0: Sports in the Midwest, it's the Midwest Sports Network, MWSN.net. Psst, that team in Columbus lost. You know what that means? Party! Oh, wait, I'm probably like several weeks out of that, but hey, I'm still happy. Anyway, It's episode 199 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and we have basketball standings in high school and college. Plus, we'll talk about hockey standings in the area, two new Prospect League teams, and if you follow your local baseball, you'll know them, and much more. It's not on Wing, it's not on 980, it's on the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly audio podcast that covers all sports in Dayton and Cincinnati, Ohio, and covers areas from Norfolk, Kentucky, and the Ohio River up to Lima and Allen County, from Richmond, Indiana, and the surrounding Whitewater Valley region to Madison County and surrounding areas. If you want local sports, this is your source find your favorite way of listening to this podcast as well as visiting the t public and red shops and find the latest episodes please visit syndaypod.com. this opening theme was created with the splash app it's time for another episode with your host lee w mallin Episode 199. You know what that means. Whenever I get to next episode, which might not be next week, more on that later, it'll be episode 200 of this podcast. We have been talking about local sports for 200 episodes. Pity the local radio stations don't, but hey. So I've decided I've made a late New Year's resolution. Who says I can't do that? Yes, I know, it's halfway through January already, which, wow but i've made a light resolution i will not make fun of wing and 980 for not bringing local sports to the table anymore just because yeah people get it there's not local sports on radio i mean 980's got the right state coaches show and that's kind of it although can i just say i finally got my new radio installed and with HD radio, hearing it on uh, 107, 104.72, uh, hearing Kevin Harlan's voice and just sports broadcast voice, that clear? Yeah, if you're looking to upgrade your radio, find one with HD radio. Trust me, you won't regret it. But when has radio become just like a big advertisement for other podcasts? I mean, I'm listening to 980 for uh, football games lately. I'm listening to 700 for football and uh, basketball. I'm listening to pretty much whatever their sports. I'm listening to it. And most of the stations, aka the IR Radio stations, always push some type of podcast. It's like, I don't care. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, mainly because I don't have time to. I mean, I'll listen to the folks I know if they push out a podcast. So I'll try to listen to that. But, you know, there's like 10 zillion true crime podcast, which I think is the same amount of Ohio State, oh, I'm sorry, That Team in Columbus podcast, but there you go. So, yep, no more making fun of Wing, no more making fun of 980, and really, I haven't listened to Wing for longer than about 10 seconds, (laughs) like Wednesday, heading up to pick one, but there you go. No more making fun of local sports radio. When you have local sports right here. Spread the word. So that's my New Year's resolution. I expect that to last until episode 200. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Let's talk basketball. Yours truly has broadcasted a lot of basketball. And in fact, these next uh, two weeks are going to be super busy. And we're going to talk a little bit uh, uh, what I'm doing next week. Maybe there's an episode out. Maybe not. I don't know yet. But... We'll get to that in a little bit. We're talking high school basketball and college basketball. Now, normally that's a change, mainly because of the fact there's so many high schools that play basketball. uh, Pretty much all of them in the area. And there are a lot of high schools in the area, considering it's Cincinnati-Dayton. I decided not to talk about the Columbus area schools, just because of the fact that's going to be a lot more schools I mean, I do that for hockey. It's because of the fact there's like 12 hockey teams in the area. That's it. So that's that's why there's that. If you have any complaints about that, uh, forward me at the proper address. So we're going to talk about standings in boys' and girls' basketball for high school level, and then we'll go to the collegiate level and talk about the six D1 teams in the area, and then we'll talk about Hockey, high school hockey, because that is still going on. So we'll start off with boys' basketball standings in the Dayton area, and these are provided to you by Miami Valley Hoop Vault. They do a great job. And also True Hoops. Actually, what is the official term? True Hoops. They do a nice job, too. They are... Oh, come on. I know my tweet was, uh, True Hoops with a ZHS. They do a nice job with area uh, basketball as well. So we're going to talk about standings, and we'll start it with the Dayton area. And I was deciding, should I just go alphabetically with the standings, because that's how it is on the website, or uh, start with Cross County Conference, because I always start with that, because I'm from West Alexandria. I like talking about Twin Valley South, because that's where I went to school for a time. We're going to do them alphabetically because I said so. And we'll start with the Central Buckeye Conference and leading the way a perfect clean slate for the Jonathan Alder Pioneers. 5 0 in the Kenton Ridge Division standings, 9 0 overall. Followed by Springfield Shawnee, 4 1 and 8 2 overall. And then Tecumseh and the Arrows and the Kenton Ridge Cougars, 2 2. Bell Fountain, 0 4, London, 0 5. As we move to the Mad River. Division standings of the CBC North Union leading the way four and zero nine and two overall, followed by three and two Benjamin Logan and Indian Lake one and two Urbana one and three Graham and zero and three Northwestern. And now we'll jump in the Cross County Conference. Leading the way will be the Tri Village Patriots. It's great to see Tri Village thirteen and zero start too for the Pats. It's you know. I think it was Coach Sangster that came back and just seen how that program has responded, you know. We got Arcanum 6-1, Miami East 5-1. I'll get to see the Miami East Vikings one more time next month. Followed by 4-1 Franklin Monroe, 2-2 National Trail, 4-3 Covington, 2-3 Newton, 1-3 Bradford, 3-4 Bethel, 2-4 Ansonia, 0-4 Twin Valley South, one in five, Mississinewa Valley, and zero five, Tri-County North. That's one to thirteen, all stacked up in the CCC. The last year, of the Cross County Conference, by the way. Most of these schools in the CCC will jump to the Western Ohio Athletic Conference, whereas Miami East, Cullington, Bethel will make their way to the Three Rivers conference. I think previous episodes I said 3 Rivers Athletic Conference, it's just 3 Rivers. I apologize for that error. Now, how about some Dayton City League standings? We got them. Now remember, DCL got a later start than most, so some teams still haven't played. Of course, these standings are updated as of January 17th, so if there's any incorrect, you know, aspects Talk to them. I'm just reading what they have on the website. Dunbar currently leads the Dayton City League, three and zero. Wolverines. Stivers yet to play. Thurgood Marshall, one and one and one and two overall, are the Cougars. The Belmont Bison, zero and one, zero and three overall. Elodere, zero and 0 and two, are the Lions. And Ponix is zero and one, and zero and one. They must have chopped off the Tech because it always used to be Ponix Tech, and now anywhere I just see Ponix. So. Uh, Again, I apologize about that mistake, but Ponets with Matadale and Belmont have lost their first TCL League action. How about some G-Walk standings? We'll skip the Greater Catholic League co-ed when we head down towards Cincinnati. And the G-Walk looks like this. Wayne, 6-1. Centerville, 5-1. Miamisburg, 5-2. Followed by Springfield, 4-2, two, Fairmont, 2-4, two Northmont, 1-5, Beaver Creek, 1-5, Springboro, 1-5. I mean, your top three schools right there. Well, actually, no, top four. Because Springfield's in the mix, too. Springfield had a nice win. I think it was at Miamisburg. Wayne, 6-1. and one. They beat Miamisburg the other day, by the way. The other day being Friday. 43-39. They capped it off with Malcolm Curry. With the slam dunk to end the contest, Centerville five and one, Miamisburg five and two, and Springfield four and two. Man, that G Walk race is going to be really tight, really fun to watch. And we'll talk about the independent team in town, the Trotwood Mass and Rams, formerly of the G Walk, but no longer. The Rams are two and one thus far. Now we talk about the Midwest Athletic Conference, the MAC. As Minster leads all the Wildcats 8 and 1 overall, or actually 8 and 1 at home and 10 and 3 overall, 4 and 0 in the Mac, 3 and 0 Saint Henry. They're also 10 and 3 on the season. Fort Recovery 3 and 0, 6 and 6 on the year. Marion Local 4th at 2 and 1, Coldwater 1 and 2, Parkway 1 and 2, New Bremen 0 and 2, Delpho St. John's 0 and 2, Versailles 1 and 3 and New Knoxville 0 and 3. And we head to the Metro Buckeye Conference now. Now this is a conference that doesn't field football, so whoever plays it, they play in other leagues or they just don't play. There's a lot of schools that don't have football, like Miami Valley, Yellow Springs doesn't. I know Dayton Christian, Troy Christian do. Smeljohn Christian have football? I'm not sure. I think it's club. Jefferson does. And now we'll talk about the Metro Buckeye Conference. No games yet for Jefferson Township. Leading the table will be Legacy Christian and the Knights of Xenia. 5-1 in conference play. 9-2 overall. Then Troy Christian's 5-1. 8-4 overall for the Eagles. Again, we'll get to see Troy Christian once on WPTW next month. Dayton Christian, 4-2 in league play. Emmanuel Christian, 3-2. Miami Valley School, 0-3. Yellow Springs, 1-4. Middletown Christian, 0-5. Now... You know what? We're going to skip the Miami Valley League because this is the league I'm seeing most of the action in. I can't wait to tell you about the last two games I called for PTW. We'll go to the Ohio Heritage Conference, first the North Division where West Liberty Salem leads the tables at 5 and 1 and 7 and 4 overall, followed by Northeastern 4 and 2, Fairbanks 3 and 3, Mechanicsburg 1 and 6, West Jefferson 2 and 7 and Triad 1 and 8. In the South Division, it's the Greenview Rams leading that table. 8-1 and 12-2 overall are the Rams, followed by Cedarville's seven-and-one record, nine-and-one overall. Springfield Catholic Central seven and two in league play and nine-and-two overall. Followed by Madison Plains five-and four. Green and four and four. Southeastern one and eight. So if you want to talk about the tough side of the OHC, it's definitely the South because your top 4 teams out of the 6 have records over 500 in conference play and Greenan is at 500 at 4 and 4. Whereas North Northeastern, excuse me, and West Liberty Salem have a conference record over 500, Fairbanks at 500. And then you got Mechanicsburg, West Jefferson and Triad under that mark. So pretty stacked Ohio Heritage Conference there, especially in the south. How about the Shelby County Athletic League standings? Again, another league that doesn't have football. So we'll start off with the Bakken's Trojans, 6-0 in the Shelby, with an 11-1 record to boot. Fort Laramie, 4-2. Anna, 3-2. Jackson Center, 4-3. Fairlawn, 3-3. Rushi, 1-5. And Housen, 0-6. And having Rushi and Housen, it looks like Russia and Houston, if you don't know any better, but trust me, it's Rushi and Halson. At least I think it's Halson. I know it's Rushi. How about the Southwestern Buckeye League? I've seen my fair share of SWBO action since you know TKDS has the contract with the Carlisle Indians. You know, I was thinking about that the other day because uh, I, I imagine I went to school to win by myself, then I moved to Valley View didn't really play Carlisle that much at all. And yes, I know, Cross Division, Valley View, and Carlisle. Valley View's in the big school division, the Southwestern Division, whereas Carlisle's in the Buckeye. And I think that's going to change next year with the absence of Milton Union, Northridge, Preble Shawnee, and Dixie. That's all in the Buckeye Division, too. Right now, there's no Southwestern teams moving, but, you know, there's always rumors. I I figure maybe one day we'll have an episode talking about the changes like that, but let's talk about basketball. The Preble Shawnee Arrows and the Waynesville Spartans currently lead the top of the Buckeye Division, six and one overall. Arrows eleven and two, Waynesville seven and four, Milton Union three and three, five and four overall, followed by Northridge one and three, Carlisle three and four. Middletown, Madison, 2-4, and and Dixie, 0-5. In the Southwestern Division, it's the Franklin Wildcats, undefeated, 5-0 so far in conference play and 9-1 overall. Followed by the 4-2 Golden Eagles of Bellbrook, 3-2 Valley View. Monroe at 4-3, Oakwood 3-3, Brookville 1-5, and Eaton 0-5. And uh, that's the end of the Dayton Conferences, so we will go... You know what? Let's go ahead and talk about the Miami Valley League. So, if you remember a few years back, this is the league that split off from the G Walk when they had 20 schools. And there's 10 teams in the Miami Valley League split up Miami Division and Valley Division. Which uh, I was talking to my color commentator for PTW yesterday. It's like, why is Sydney in with the Southern schools when they should be in the Miami Division where most of the Northern schools are? And flip Butler for that. And that's. Pretty nice trip. But yeah, I digress. It's not, you know, you know, deal-breaking or anything. It's just that's a hike for Sydney. And the other team's going up to Sydney. But there you go. We'll start off with the Valley Division because the Miami Division is where I see most of my bread and butter. West Carrollton leads 6-3. They fell last night in a very fun contest that I'm sure going to be talking about. Stebbins listed a second place. They're 0-2. They lost their first two games, and then they went on uh, quarantine, and that's the last we've heard of anything. So I don't know if Stebbins is resuming things or not, but hopefully they do, because I'd like to see the Indians. You know, but at this at this point, we're heading towards February, where we're start we're starting to talk about tournament draws and everything like that. It's just uh, I don't know if uh, Shelby. Excuse me. Stebbins I'll get it right eventually. It's one of those S words. Stebbins is going to literally have to play like once a day to make up all those games. Luckily it's home and home, so you know, it's depending on what the two games were, you know. But there you go. Sydney is five and three, Xenia two and five, the Buccaneers have hit a skid of three straight games, and Fairborn one and eight. Now we move on to the Miami division of the Miami Valley League. Tippecanoe, a perfect 10-0. In the last two games I've called for WPTW, have seen the Red Devils battle against Piqua and West Carrollton. More on that later. Troy Trojan, 7-3. That'll be my next destination for PTW, followed by Vandalia Butler, 7-4. The Aviators, they have... Arguably, probably one of the best defensive teams. They allowed the least amount of points in the Miami Valley League, but they've had kind of a skid as well. We'll talk a little bit more about that after the standings. Pickwa three and seven, and Greenville two and eight. Greenville has won two straight games. Actually, it says they lost their last one. Let's look at that. So yeah, I was broadcasting Tip versus Pickwa. Was I doing that, or was that Wednesday when I was doing Piqua versus Sydney? I forget what it was, but Greenville picked up their first win despite their three best players entering the fourth quarter with four fouls. And they still won. It was very impressive. I was listening to that on 97.5. But Greenville won back-to-back, and then I think they lost their last one. Maybe, if I can find the schedule. It says they played Stebbins last, which I can tell you, no, that's not the case. So Greenville won their last two games. There you go. So my main schools have been Piqua and Tip, because they're in Miami County. I've got C. Troy once now. Uh, Vandalia Butler once. I know that's Montgomery County, but they're in the same division, so stick with me on this. I've... Witnessed Xenia once, Sydney once, West Carrollton once with one more game to go. And let me tell you, Miami Valley League's got some good basketball. Tip Canoe, I think, after their win against West Carrollton on the road last night, I think Tip's got the you know upper hand to win the division. They're 10-0, like I mentioned, the Red Devils are. And they have a home-and-home home starting off at Greenville first on Monday, then Wednesday hosting Greenville. So... Yeah, just the players that Tip has. They have a three-headed monster that changes the third head most of the time. It is Ben Knottsman who, I mean, just wingspan that goes on for days. Just, he's a special type of player. I know there's a lot of great players in the Miami Valley. I mean, don't get me started. There's, you know, Tony and Seth do a great job. Miami Valley Hoop Vault do a great job. True Hoops High School does a great job. There's a lot of people that cover high school hoops not just in Dayton, but Cincinnati, and they see a lot of great athletes. I mean, Tip has got you know Zach Frederick, Ben Canoetsman, and sometimes it will be Cole Copic, which I would argue that would be the case last night at West Carrollton. But just it, it's hard to stop those three, let alone when you have you know just a team that's so great. Now West Carrollton on the other side, they're leading the Valley Division despite their loss last night to Tip at home. But, man, that Pirates team can fly. Just, uh, I feel like my call last night was great, but just, West Carrollton just pushes the tempo. And that first half, it was, that first quarter, Tippecanoe just couldn't, you know, it was tough to keep up with the Pirates' pace. And it was a lot of fun to call. And I think West Carrollton's got themselves a nice team. I can't wait to see Troy again. They have a good team as well. Pickwa. uh... Outside shooting, uh, but at the same time, that's a good team. I like following the Piqua Indians. I think that's the team I've covered the most on uh, PTW because PTW's in Piqua. But at the same time, those are a good bunch of young men that play as well. Three and seven, so a couple of tough losses, but oh, it's about taking the next game and moving forward. So that's the Miami Valley League for you there. And I definitely love my job with PTW broadcasting high school hoops. Now let's go back to the Greater Catholic League co-ed division because that'll be the perfect gateway to Cincinnati. And we'll start off with Roger Bacon. The Spartans are 4-0 in league play and 7-1 overall. Followed by McNicholas, 4-1, 7-2. Fenwick, 3-1, and 6-1 overall. And in fact... Fanwick has a guard that is going to be making his way to Wright State next year. As a Wright State alum, that makes me happy. I forget what his name is at the moment. I can pinpoint it though. I know. It's AJ Braun, the 6'9 foot nine Ford, graduating this year. And you now for Fanwick, he leads in points per game. 18.2 a Percentage of about 55% shooting, three throws, 69%, three-pointers, 33% for having that height, and 11 rebounds per game. Yeah, Wright State's getting someone special, so I definitely look forward to seeing that. So after 4-0, no Roger Bacon, 4-1, McNicholas, and 3-1, and Fenwick, we got 1-2, two Chaminade, Julienne, 2-3, two Altered, 2-3, three Carroll, 3-4, three Baden, and 0-5, oh and Purcell, Merriam. And that's your GCL co-ed standings. Again, thank you to the folks at Miami Valley Hoop Vault for having this service. Again, that is on the site as of January 17th. I knew the corrections to Miami Valley League because, you know, I kind of broadcasted last game. So let's look at GCL South. This is the boys' basketball site, the all-boys' schools in Cincinnati. And Elder did something that... No Southwest Ohio team has done in 88 games. Beat Moeller. And that gave Elder the top of the GCL South crown. 2-0 thus far. And the Panthers are 12-1. St. X 1-1. They're 8-1 overall. Moeller 1-1 and 10-3 overall. Again, that Elder win was very close. 42-40. And LaSalle 8-6 overall and 0-2. And a conference play. It's really close throughout. I really think that third quarter where Elder outscored the Crusaders 13-9 was kind of the forward push to give Elder that win. Baller did outscore the Panthers by three and the fourth, but it was too little too late. The Elder Panthers had Logan Dunkham to just three points. He fouled out of the game. Did pick up 10 rebounds, however, on three assists and a swipe. And for Elder, they have no stats attached. Okay, then. So, yeah, Alex Williams led scoring for Moeller with 19 points. And Evan Mahaffey, seven points. Aiden Turner, six. Aiden Noyes, five. And no points off the bench from Zach George, Elijah Jackson, or Nick Williams. So Elder held the Moeller bench quiet. And they held Logan Duncan, who's going to be playing his college ball in Indiana, the three points. It's pretty impressive. So I I love to tell you what Elder did in that game, but I kind of can't because the stats aren't on that sheet. Although LaSalle did beat Roger Bacon 61-44 just Saturday. So pretty big win there for the Lancers, former GCL foes of Purcell Marion and Roger Bacon. Remember, actually, they had them in GCL co-ed, didn't they? So we'll go to the Southern Buckeye Athletic and Academic Conference, or the Sabac, if you want to shorten things up like that. We'll start off with the American division as Batavia leads that 4-0, and the Bulldogs are eleven and zero overall. Nice start to the season for Batavia. Followed by New Richmond 3-1, Western Brown three-two, Wilmington 1-3, Goshen 0-2, Clinton Massey 0-3. Both Goshen and Clinton Massey are winless on the year. In the national division, you got a f- few more teams. By a few, I mean one. Blanchester, undefeated in conference play. They have Brandon Sippel, who is close to, if not in the top ten in scoring in the OHSAA. Yeah, that young man is incredible to watch for. Blanchester. They are 7-4 th- and four overall. Georgetown, the G Men four and one. East Clinton four and two. Bethel Tate two and two. Felicity Franklin two and five. They don't have football. Williamsburg one and four. And Claremont Northeastern one and five. In case you're wondering why I'm saying they don't have football when we're talking about basketball. In case you're wondering why I don't talk about football for them, it's hard to when they don't field the football team. So there you go. In the Cincinnati Metro Athletic Conference, it might help if I have the standings up and not sound like, you know, an idiot when I do this, but how about the red division? They got red and blue divisions and we'll start with Woodward and the Bulldogs 6 and 0 and 9 and 1 overall. I believe Woodward's chasing the Gmac as uh, a Cmac, excuse me, the Cmac crown for the first time since 1998. It's been a while for Woodward. Western Hills 5-1, Taft 3-2, two, Hughes 2-4, two Aiken 1-4. Schroeder has not played a game. And with throw, 0-6. Oh and, and the Tigers are winless on the year. Blue Division, we have Cincinnati College Prep 3-0 oh in conference play and 7-1 and overall are the Lions, followed by Gambo Montessori 2-1, Riverview East 1-2, Hillcrest and SPCA which I believe is the School of Creative and Performing Arts. They have not played games, and Euler is 0-3 and 2-8. And yes, we do have to kind of touch up on the fact that when New Miami and Euler played, it had to end in the third quarter because... <sighs> kicking and that foul and then the big fights and racism being sprung about, It just it's ugly. Folks, don't be ugly. Do not be racist. You know... And remember, these are kids on the court, and these are adults, you know, trying to make a living in being refs. At least I think they're trying to make a living on that. I'm not entirely sure, actually. But, you know, stop the ugliness. Seriously. But that's your look at the Cincinnati Metro Athletic Conference to the Greater Miami Conference. I completely forgot to load the standings in all these Cincinnati squads. It sure seems like it. In the GMC, let me tell you about Lakota East. They're pretty good. And they were, I think, preseason noted as the team that could take on Moeller. Well, Elder already did that, but you get what we're saying, preseason. But they don't lead the Greater Miami Conference. It's Fairfield that does. 6-1 and one are the Indians and 7-4 and overall. Followed by 5-2 and two, Hamilton, Lakota East, and Lakota West. That's Butler County locking it down right there. By uh, Butler County, I mean Hamilton and Westchester. And Liberty Township. Followed by Princeton, who is 2-1. Mason, 4-3. Oak Hills, 3-6. Middletown, 3-6. Sycamore, 1-5. Coleraine, 1-7. Just looking at some of the... Look how he did get back on track by hammering Coleraine, 64-31. And Sycamore got... Past Middletown 60-50 on Saturday. So, yeah, not seeing Lakota East on top. I have to take a look at their schedule. I think they fell to Fairfield. What was the other conference loss? Lakota West at home. That was tough. At home against Fairfield by three. At home against Lakota West by four. And they do have a trip at Fairfield. So maybe a little revenge on the mind of the Hawks. We shall see. Now for the Southwest Ohio Conference, six schools, and these six schools are Ross leading the way, five and zero. Oh. Man, Ross Rams are having a great year. Just you hear football, I think one of the soccers won this Southwest Ohio Conference title, right? It was it volleyball? Anyway, Ross five and oh, 12 and one overall. Followed by three and one Northwest, three and two Mount Healthy, one and three Edgewood, one and four Tallawanda, and zero and three Harrison. To the Eastern Cincinnati Conference. I really wish I clicked on the standings before I did all this. Turpin leads the way, five and zero, and six and four overall. Followed by six and one Lebanon and Walnut Hills. Warriors ten and two, and the Eagles seven and two. Anderson five and two. Milford. 3 and, uh, excuse me, I didn't say that right. Milford, 3 and 3, Loveland, 3 and 5, Kings, 2 and 5, West Claremont, 2 and 6, Winton Woods, 1 and 5, Little Miami, 0 oh and 5. And last up in Cincinnati, the Miami Valley Conference, no relation to the Miami Valley League. And I think most of the schools in the Miami Valley Conference are in Hamilton County. I know Cincinnati Christians in Fairfield. Which that's in Butler County, but still, it's I, I don't know. I'm splitting hairs. Let's talk about the Scarlet Division and Summit Country Day leading all, four and and0 record, and seven and three overall, North College Hill not far behind, the Trojans two and O. Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy three and one, Cincinnati Christian two and three, Norwood one and four, Clark Montessori O-4. And the Gray Division, Cincinnati Country Day, three and 10 and two overall. So, pretty nice year for the Country Days. I don't think they're related in terms of, you know, I think they're just their Country Days. Someone has to tell me what Country Day means. It's like, they're not really in the country. They're in the Cincinnati area. So, I don't know. Someone could teach me that later. New Miami, 2-1. Seven Hills, yet to play a game. Lachlan, yet to play a conference game. The Panthers are 0-1 overall. Miami Valley Christian 0-2, St. Bernard M. Wood Place 0-2. By the way, thank you to St. Bernard Mwood Place on Twitter for following me. That was really cool. That made my day. So that's your look at the Miami Valley Conference. Um, There's still lots of basketball to be played. There's still playoffs to talk about as well. By that, I mean when it happens, not this week. Although I think the tournament draws are getting close to being due. I'm not entirely sure on that, but hey, we'll figure it out together, won't we? And now we'll talk girls' basketball. We'll start back with Miami Valley Conference. And the girls' basketball standings look a little something like this. Cincinnati Country Day leading the Scarlet Division. Wait a minute. Weren't they in the great Division in the boys' basketball? Wait, what? Someone's got... A- Someone's gonna tell me why that is, but anyway, Since Night Country Day 5-0, they lead the Scarlet Division. Perfect 10-0 record for CCD. Remember they used to be the Indians, but not anymore. In fact, I'd love to know how the process of picking a new name's going for Cincinnati Country Day. I I don't know what you could go with, but maybe make it the Golden Knights and you have that rival with Summit because those are the Silver Knights. I don't know. That's just me being petty. <laughs> North College Hill 2-1, Norwood 3-2, Summit Country Day 3-2, Clark Montessori 1-4, Cincinnati Christian 0-6. Oh in the gray division, we have Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy leading the way 5-0, oh. Miami Valley Christian 2-1. By the way, I don't think Miami Valley Christian's in the Miami Valley. Boo. No, I'm sorry. That's I'm not booing you. I'm just booing the fact that... Actually, where is Miami Valley Christian? Well... Maybe take a look at that. Seven Hills, yet to play a conference game, but the Stingers are 0-1. St. Bernard, Elmwood Place, 0-1. Lachlan, 0-2. New Miami, 0-2. So where is Miami Valley Christian at? Let's find out together. Because that's what you want in the podcast. And we'll go ahead and load the Eastern Cincinnati Conference. The girls' basketball side. The Miami Valley School. Wait. What? That took me to Miami Valley School, which is down the road on Ron for me. Literally, it's like five minutes across the way on Far Hills. It's, uh... Yeah, that was, uh... Hmm. Let's look this up, because that's not the right school I'm looking for. They absorb with Miami Valley School, and they have two branch campuses. I think that's the first for me at least that I know about but in Newtown Newtown is in Clamont yeah Clamont County so let's look that up barely's got five stars according to private school review.com that's that's a Advertisement I never thought I'd make on here. but School Street, Cincinnati. And that is really close to Newtown. And I think that, that's a railroad track. So it's close to 275 and all that. So there you go. The more you know. Dun, 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 dun. Eastern Cincinnati Conference. The Loveland Tigers are leading the pack at 8-1. and one, And that makes me feel great. Because uh, Dornell Parker... Is coaching the Loveland Tigers for the girls basketball side, and he's you know undergoing chemo, and he's still wearing a smile. I mean, I like to meet that coach just because of the fact that it, he doesn't let it bother him, and he's still living life through that. I I know, I don't know, I I can imagine going through that is not an easy process. So definitely, Coach uh, uh, Darnell has my support and. My respect on that. So Loveland eight and one, Lebanon seven and two, Turpin eight and three, West Claremont four and four, Walnut Hills four and five, Little Miami four and five, Kings three and four, Wynton Woods three and five, Milford two and six, Anderson zero and eight. And that's your girls' basketball standings. I tell you, I like seeing the ECC that full again. I mean, it's not quite full as the Fort Ancient Valley Conference, which is the G-Walk. Well. Actually, the G-Walk was bigger than the Fort Ancient. Was it? Yeah. G-Walk did become a little bigger than the FAVC, but by two schools. So, you know, not a lot. How about we talk about the Southwest Ohio Conference again with girls basketball. It's Edgewood leaned the way, 4-0 and 13-1. and I tell you, this Edgewood team's really good. They came into Miamisburg and handed the Vikings just, was it their second loss? They lost... At Springboro. But yeah, Edgewood. Or, yeah, Edgewood. Great team that the Cougars have. Again, 4-0, leading the pack. Mount Healthy and Talawanda, 3-2. Harrison, 2-3. Northwest not playing a game in girls' basketball yet. And Ross is 0-5. Now to the Greater Miami Conference where we talk girls' basketball. And in the upcoming weeks, I think I'll have a game or two or three in girls basketball for ESP Media. Can't wait to come back to Cincinnati. Mason and Princeton are at the top of the GMC in girls basketball. Comets 7 and 0, 9 and 0 overall. Vikings, 7 and 0, 8 and 2 overall. Followed by Lakota West 8 and 2, Colerain 6 and 4, Sycamore 5 and 4 with Lakota East 5 and 4. Oak Hills 3 and 7, Hamilton 1 and 8, Fairfield 0 and 4, Milltown 0 and 9. Now to the C-Mac once again, the Cincinnati Metro Athletic Conference. Girls basketball. Oh, by the way, I, it's a random question while I'm waiting for the standings to load. But at West Carrollton, they have a banner for the academics team, which most schools do if they have, you know, academics team. Why is it presented with a lamp? Shouldn't it be represented with, you know, a a book? Because it's smart, it's not a lamp. You don't rub on a lamp. It's like, ha-ha, I'm smart. I, I don't know. That just... That got in my mind, and I felt like I had to share it in the podcast because entertainment. Maybe Hughes leads the Red Division in the C-Mac eight and zero, and the Big Red are nine and three. Taft five and one, Schroeder three and three, Woodward three and four, throw one and two, Western Hills one and six, Aiken zero and five. And in the Blue Division. Not a conference game to be had. Although, Cincinnati College Prep has the better record of the five teams. 3-1 and overall. Gamble Montessori, 4-4 overall. Euler, 1-3 overall. SCPA, not a game played. And Riverview East is 0-2 overall. Again, those five schools haven't played a conference game yet. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Now for the Southern Buckeye, once again. The SBWAC, as we load it up, the American Division has Western Brown leading the charge, five and zero, Goshen four and one, Wilmington four and two, Batavia one and three, Clinton, Massey, New Richmond are both zero and four, and the Lions of New Richmond are winless. In the National Division, it's Georgetown five and zero and an eight and three record. I think they're called the Are they still called the G Men? The women's teams at Georgetown High Or are they the G Women? Instead of the G Men. I don't know. Williamsburg three and zero, East Clinton three and three. Bethel Tate three and three. Felicity Franklin two and three. Claremont Northeastern two and three. Blanchester 0 and 6. And now to the girls, Greater Catholic League. These are the all girls' schools. And we'll talk about Mount Notre Dame, Dr. Scott Rogers. I get to talk about Doctor on this podcast. Whoever thought that'd be a thing. They are five and zero in conference play. The Cougars are 13-0 overall, one of the highest ranked teams in the state, by the way. And also, they're scoring, just looking at the overall and league numbers that Mount Notre Dame's put up, the second place team is still about, uh, what would that be, 23, 22 and a half points behind. Yeah, Mount Notre Dame's pretty good. Seton 2-2, St. Ursula 2-3, Ursuline Academy 1-2, and And Mercy McAuley 0-3. One of those teams is the Pandas. Pretty sure it's Seton. Let's check that out now because that's going to drive me nuts. And then I just won't be able to talk anything like, Hey, there's a team called the Pandas in Cincinnati. My youngest stepdaughter actually loves pandas, and I don't know if I ever told her there's a team in Cincinnati called the pandas, but there you go. Actually, I couldn't find out, and I'm not going to hold you up any further, and now actually, we'll have to hop back into boys' basketball because yours truly forgot, the Northwest Central Conference. This is Lima Area Schools. We cover them in football on here, so... It's only fair we come from basketball. So we'll do boys then girls first. Lima Perry lean the boys side in the NWCC five and zero, and the Commodores nine and two overall. Five by Layman Catholics three and zero. They are leaving the NWCC for the Three Rivers next year. Ridgemont, two and two. Upper Sciota Valley two and two. Riverside two and two. Riverside also leaving. Hardin Norvin one and three. Elgin one and three. Waynesville Goshen one and three. Temple Christian one and three. Now let's talk about girls' basketball. That's the only two winter sports listed on the NWCC website. Makes me a little surprised. I mean, wrestling's normally in the mix, but... Riverside and Ridgemont leading the NWCC in the girls' side. Four and one... The Pirates of Riverside, 5-2, and and I believe Ridgemont's the Golden Gophers. They're 6-7 overall. Lima Perry, 3-1. Lamb Catholic, 2-1. Waynesville Goshen, 1-1. hardin Norvin 1-3. Elgin, 0-3. Upper Sayota Valley, 0-4. And And Temple Christian has yet to play a conference game. They're 1-3 overall. So we'll start from the north and talk about the Shelby County Athletic League first. The girls' basketball standings look like this as Fort Loramie leads all 9 and 0 and 15 and 0 overall the redskins followed by anna 6 and 2 Botkins 5 and 3 rushi 5 and 4 Housen 3 and 5 Farallon and 6 jackson center 0 and 8 In the southwestern buckeye conference again i've seen a little bit of swbl hoops both boys and girls with the Broadcast at Carlisle, and we'll start with the Buckeye Division. Middletown Masson on top. Mohawks five and zero in the league and seven and five overall. Also seven and five and six and one in the league are the Preble Shawnee Arrows. That's the team I saw Saturday afternoon at Carlisle. Waynesville four and two and six and five overall. Carlisle five and three. Melton Union three and five. Dixie two and six. Northridge zero and eight in the southwestern division. It's Belbrook leading the charge six and zero and twelve and one overall. Valley View not far behind, six and two. Although the Spartans did lose to Belbrook at home, ten and four overall is VV. Monroe four and three, Oakwood two and two, Eaton three and five, Franklin two and four, Brookville zero and seven. To the Ohio Heritage Conference, we start in the South Division because we can. Springfield Catholic Central seven and two and ten and two overall are the Irish, followed by Cedarville six and four, Greenview four and five, Greenan three and four, two and six Southeastern and Mass and Plains at one and seven. In the North, it's West Liberty Salem leading the charge, an undefeated season for the Tigers thus far, eleven and zero overall, eight and zero in conference play. Mechanicsburg seven and one, West Jefferson five and one, Fairbanks five and three, Triad two and eight, Northeastern zero and nine. We'll go to the Midwest Athletic Conference next. I believe that's our last far north trip in the Miami Valley. We start off with Minster. 5-0 conference record, 10-1 overall. Pretty good season for basketball for both Minster boys and girls. Marion Local not far behind, 12-2 overall. The Flyers and 4-1 in conference play, is Marion Local, Fort Laramie four and two, New Knoxville three and two, Coldwater two and two, New Bremen two and two, Versailles two and four, Parkway one and three, Saint John's one and three. That's Delpho Saint John's, and Saint Henry zero and five. To the Greater Catholic Coed Division, we'll go girls basketball because we already went to the boys' divisions. Purcell Marion undefeated. The Cavaliers are seven and zero and eight and zero overall. Roger Bacon five and one and five and two overall. Carol five and two. Alter three and four. Baden three and five. Fenwick three and five. McNicholas three and six, and Shamanah Julianne zero six. To the Metro Buckeye Conference next, Legacy Christian leading the way from Xenia. They're 4-0 in conference play and 10-1 overall. Dayton Christian 2-1, Troy Christian 3-2, Yellow Springs 1-2, and Middletown Christian 0-5. With Jefferson Township and Miami Valley not playing a single game. That's conference and overall. Now we'll jump to the Greater Western Ohio Conference. Springboro at the top of the table. 6-0 are the Panthers. They have clawed four straight wins in the books. 12-3 overall As Burrow. Wayne 5-0. They're 9-1. The Warriors are on a two-game winning streak. Centerville 5-1. Miamisburg 4-3. Beaver Creek 3-4. Northmont 2-5. And Fairmont and Springfield at 0-6. You know, seeing Fairmont 0-6, that shocks me. Just because how strong the program has been i mean that's the circle of sports you can't be good forever i mean unless you buy into it but that's not for high schools but yeah it's a little tough to see but sometimes it happens and there's still athletes that fight out there i mean by fight i mean play hard not actually getting fights because that would be bad and Trotwood Madison, I tried looking for girls' basketball information, and I couldn't find a thing. So I do apologize for that. If anyone does have information, we will share it for the next episode. A uh, little bit more news on that in a bit. Dayton Public Schools and Dayton City League. Actually calls it Dayton Public on Max Preps. What is that about? It's Dayton City League. And the schools are Dayton Public Schools. Never mind. Dunbar is listed two and zero. Now these standings on max preps I don't think are correct. I'm not entirely sure how correct they are. Normally the uh, league websites that are ran, I think what is the tools called? There's like SID tools. SID Tools from Sports Websoft. By the way, fantastic stuff. I am glad that company exists and I'm glad most conferences go with that software. Now, there's still some leagues that don't, which is fine. I mean, they still have the information you need. But this this has pretty much anything you could ask for. So, yeah, thank you to the people behind SID Tools from Sports Websoft. This broadcaster thanks you. So, I know Coach Dwayne Hutchinson from his time with Central State. He's the head coach of Thurgood Marshall. His Facebook status said after the win, what was it, yesterday or was it Friday night, that the Cougars are 3-1. and one. Max Prep says Thurgood Marshall was 0-1. Oh so I don't know how correct these are. So if they're wildly incorrect, I apologize. But it says the Dunbar's on top, 2-0, and oh, Stivers 1-1, one and one, Ponix. 1 and 1, Thurgood Marshall 0 1, Belmont 0 1, Meadowdale yet to play. Again, having one of the coaches as your Facebook friends and him sharing his information definitely helps on that information. So, again, I'm not sure how accurate those standings are. You know, a lot of people don't like max preps. It's not max preps itself, because if you fill out all the information there, it's valuable. You know, it's a valuable source. It's just well, schools don't. So, you know, you can't really blame max preps on that. But anyway, that's just a little. Pet peeve of mine, Central Buckeye Conference in the Kenton Trail. It's Tecumseh leading the way. Arrows four and zero in conference play, nine and four overall. Followed by Jonathan Alder three and one, London three and two, Bell Fountain two and three, Springfield Shawnee zero two, and Kenton Ridge zero four. In the Mad River Division of the same Central Buckeye Conference, North Union four and one, Urbana three and one, Northwestern two and one, Indian Lake two and two, Graham one and four, Benjamin Logan. 1-4. And, and now we have the Cross County Conference. We'll do that last. Miami Valley League up next. Tippecanoe leading the Miami Division, 9-0 and 9-0 oh, and and oh overall. Vandalia Butler, 10-3. Troy, 11-4. Four. Greenville, 4-10. Four Piqua, 2-10. In the Valley Division, it's Sydney leading the way, 11-2. West Carrollton, 6-7. Xenia, 6-8. Stemmons, 1-5. So the Indians are playing it's just boys basketball hasn't been given the green light some you know, somehow and Fairborn is 0-11. And that will take us to the cross county conference. Last up it's the Patriots leading the way. Four conference wins, no conference losses, and five and one overall are the Patriots. Followed by Bradford at three and one, Franklin Monroe at two and one, Arcanum two and two, National Trail 1-0, oh, Miami East 1-0, oh, Bethel 1-2, no games in the books for Covington nor Twin Valley South. Which I don't know how accurate that is, because I swear Twin Valley South's girls team has played. You know that probably is just a Twitter check away at TVS underscore Athletics, but we'll do that in a second. Newton 0 and 2, Mississinawa Valley 0 and 2, Tri County North 0 and 2, and Sonia 0 and 2, and that's your 13 teams again. Last time for the Cross County Conference. I mean, yeah, I, I know. It's just it makes me sad to think that Cross County Conference isn't going to be a thing anymore. Maybe that's just me. Maybe it's because I grew up in West Alexandria and really there's been a few additions to that league since 2000, Covington. I forget when Bethel was in. Was that 2001? Miami East was 2006 and Fort Laramie for football was a couple years back. So let's look on the Twitter feed of Twin Valley South. By the way, can i say it is awesome with this coronavirus the one thing that schools are doing are streaming whether it's a deal with TKDS sports or doing their own thing you know i i love it you get your own sports and really if you think about it hopefully this continues after we get to you know as close to normal as we'll ever get again hopefully that continues because of the fact that you know, maybe, hey, there's a future broadcaster in there that'll take my job or have a better podcast than me. I don't know. But that's a great experience. It's something I wish that Valley View had, but, eh, it, it wasn't a thing. Centerville's got a radio station. There's a few schools that do. By few, I mean, like, three, maybe four. I'm trying to think what three and four are, but never mind. You get what I'm saying. So hopefully, you know... Kids, maybe there'll be a sportscasting class build up. Maybe they'll teach, hey, this is how to sportscast, this is not how to sportscast, and don't be like the big national talking heads because really don't. Just making sure through the line, boys basketball did have a tough loss against Brookville, which, uh, no, that's not gonna be a conference foe, but still, Twin Valley South and Brookville. Share the Preble-Montgomery County line border from... Uh, where would that line be? Wherever Dixie's line stops, pretty much. See, yeah, Twin Valley South has played girls' basketball games. And the Panthers fell 48-37 to Franklin Monroe. And it looks like it was... Uh, Oh, Twin Valley South part of the NFHS network. Which, on the broadcasting group on Facebook, I know there's a lot of people that complain about it because of the fact that they give you, you know, the gear and everything. But then it's kind of like you can't stream video wise anywhere else. It's I don't know. I don't want to get into that. But what I do want to get into college basketball. We'll start off with the Horizon League as we cover all five local area conferences. First with the Horizon League and their two members, Wright State and Norfolk, Kentucky, the Raiders second place in the HL. Norfolk, Kentucky, further on down, I believe that's eighth place for the Norse. Cleveland State leads the Horizon League with a nine and one conference record, nine and four overall. And the Vikings suffered their first loss in conference play at Wright State. The Raiders seven and three in conference play, and they have split the last three series at Oakland. Against Youngstown State and against Cleveland State, both of those at home. And the last two series has been a buzzer beater in the Friday game, which has been on some channel of ESPN. It was ESPN 2 against Youngstown State and then ESPN U against Cleveland State. And then Wright State comes back and just thrashes the Penguins and the Vikings. Whereas it was flipped the other way around at Oakland, where Wright State won close to 40 and then dropped the next game by 10. So the Raiders, if they can play angry like they have been against Cleveland State and Youngstown State, there's not a reason why the Raiders should drop another conference game. I mean, UIC is probably the next greatest threat on the schedule, but that's why you play the games and not just look on paper. So Cleveland State nine and one, Wright State seven and three, followed by UIC at four and two, Milwaukee four and three, tied for fifth, Purdue Fort Wayne and Oakland at five and five, then Robert Morris newcomers in the HL two and three. And Nova Kentucky 3-5 are the Norse, 5-8, and and they have dropped four in a row, including giving IUPUI their first and second conference wins of the year. The Jaguars follow the Norse at 2-4, along with Detroit Mercy, same mark. Youngstown State and Green Bay round up the Horizon League at 3-7. Penguins have lost three straight. Green Bay has lost two in a row. So now we talk about the women's basketball side. It's been a good season of basketball for Wright State. They're nine and one. The Raiders are in women's basketball conference play, but Milwaukee leads the Mountain of the Horizon ten and zero, followed by IUPUI six and zero, Northern Kentucky four and zero. I believe they're under quarantine, so they haven't played in a week or so. Then Wright State 9-1, Green Bay 6-2, Oakland 6-4, Youngstown State 3-3, Cleveland State 2-6, UIC 1-5, Detroit Mercy 1-9, Robert Morris 0-8, and And Purdue-Fort Wayne 0-10. And And I did catch the other day the Wright State coaches show, and coach Katrina Merriweather mentioned that Wright State really hasn't played their best basketball yet, and they're still 9-1, so... You know, Green Bay, Milwaukee still on the slate for the Raiders, Northern Kentucky too, IUPUI, so things are going to get tougher. But if Wright State can roll, they can roll. They They still have a good shot to win the Horizon League, although that has to be a sweep against Milwaukee and Green Bay for the Raiders. Speaking of the Raiders, men's basketball head coach Scott Nagy won his 100th game at WSU in the drubbing of Cleveland State. So congrats to Coach Nagy in 100 wins in four seasons. Pretty impressive. Average of 20 wins per season. Can't really ask too much more with that. And now we jump from Wright State to the University of Dayton. We start men's basketball-wise. And the standings look like this, leading the A-10, both with four and one records. The St. Bonaventure Bonnies and the UMass Minutemen. Saint Bona has the better overall record at 6 and 3 uh, 6 and 1 compared to 5 and 3 for UMass and then a half game back VCU and Richmond both 3 and 1, the Rams 10 and 3, the Spiders 9 and 3, Dayton tied with Davidson at 4 and 2, 8 and 3 are the Flyers, 8 and 5 are the Wildcats, Rhode Island 4 and 3, LaSalle 3 and 4. George Washington 2-3, George Mason 2-4 with Duquesne, Fordham 1-5, that one being the win against the Flyers. St. Louis yet to play an A-10 game, St. Joseph's 0-5. And And now we swing over to the women's basketball side of things. A little note for you, the UD Flyers have suspended activities for women's basketball for two weeks due to a Tier 1 positive test. That means the next two home games that were on slate for the Flyers have been postponed. The Flyers do lead the A-10 in women's basketball, 5-0 record for the Flyers and 6-1 overall, followed by UMass at 5-1, 9-2 overall for the Minute Women, VCU 4-1, Fordham 4-2 with Rhode Island, Richmond 3-2, Davidson 3-3, St. Joseph's 1-1, LaSalle 2-4, George Washington, St. Bonaventure, and Duquesne all at 1-4, St. Louis 0 and 1, George Mason 0 and 5. Now to the men's basketball side for the Miami Redhawks in the Mid-American Conference. Get you some action indeed. And speaking of action, if you're from Northwest Ohio, you'll like these results. Bowling Green and Toledo are both six and one in MAC play. The Falcons 10 and three overall. Toledo 11 and four overall. So very good year for BGSU and UT. Ball State in third place, 4-2. Akron, 3-2 with Buffalo. Kent State, 3-3. Ohio, 3-4. Central Michigan, 2-4. Miami, 1-2. It's been a tough year for the Red Hawks with COVID shutting down team activities and canceling a few games multiple times. Eastern Michigan and Western Michigan, 1-4. Northern Illinois at 1-6. Now we swing over to women's basketball. I still love that the website is getsomeaction.com although I don't like it because then I forget oh it's get some action. Kent State leads the women's basketball Mountain of the Mac 4 and 0, followed by Buffalo 5 and 1, Bowling Green 5 and 2. You have Central Michigan tied with the Falcons. Northern Illinois 4 and 2, Ohio and Eastern Michigan 4 and 3, Ball State 3 and 3, Toledo 3 and 4. We have Akron 1 and 5, Western Michigan 0 and 6 and Miami Up next, we'll talk about the Big East, and Coach Travis Steele mentioned how tough it is for the Xavier Musketeers to have a lot of games postponed because of this virus. The Musketeers sit in fifth place in the Big East, 3-2 conference play, 10-2 overall. Villanova on top of the Big East, 3-0. Creighton and Seton Hall both at 6-2. UConn 4-2. There's Xavier 3-2. Marquette, 4-4, Providence, 3-4, Butler, 3-5, St. John's, 3-6, Georgetown, 1-5, and and DePaul, 0-4. As we swing over to the women's side of things, I think that's also affected the women Musketeers as well. UConn leads the Mountain at 6-0, DePaul, 5-1, Marquette, 4-1, Seton Hall, 4-2, Villanova, 3-2, Providence, 3-4, Creighton, 2-3, Xavier and Georgetown tied 1 and 3, St. John's 1 and 5, Butler 1 and 7. So we'll start off with the women's basketball standings of the American, the American Athletic Conference, and it's South Florida leading the pack 7 and 0, UCF 5 and 1, Temple 4 and 1, Tulane 4 and 3 with Houston, East Carolina 3 and 4, Tulsa 2 and 5 with Cincinnati. The Bearcats are 3-8 in the women's basketball side of things. Wichita State 0-3, Memphis 0-4, and SMU, again, who've had their season canceled because of COVID, they finished 0-2. And to wrap up the college basketball look, men's basketball in the American, and the standings favor Houston 6-1, Wichita State's 4-1, Tulsa 5-2, SMU 3-2, UCF 2 that's South Florida three and three, Memphis two and two, Temple two and three, East Carolina one and three, Tulane, UCF, and Cincinnati are at the bottom of the conference, all with one and four records, and the Bearcats are three and seven. So so far, those six local teams, I have to say, Wright State's probably having the best year out of those Division One foes. Dayton women. Having a good start to year, but again COVID slowed them down for two weeks, and four games are postponed. Uh, Dayton men's are starting to get back in the rhythm of things, and they picked up a nice win against Duquesne at home. Uh, Miami, it's been a tough year in Oxford for both sides. You have Xavier men's basketball started off really hot in non-conference play. Two losses in conference play knock them down a little bit, but still a good year for Xavier uh Cincinnati. Yeah, the youth it's got to take some time to gel. And now hockey. I told you we'd be covering hockey in this in this episode. Now, I haven't been broadcasting hockey for a few weeks now and yes, I do miss it, but at the same time, you know, I'm doing, you know, great as of right now. And actually, I've been I've been severely busy as these weeks have gone on. So, but let's start with the Capital Hockey Conference. We look in the three divisions: red, white, and blue. And we'll start with the red division: Olin Tangi Orange. Pioneers are seven-one and one. That that second one's an overtime loss. Pioneers have seven wins. Now, granted. It doesn't say who they're against, of course, and it's based on who you play in the Capital Hockey Conference for the conference record, not you know against Red Division foes. You get what I'm saying there. But Tangi Orange on top after nine games, 15 points, two points better than Upper Arlington, who's 6-2-1. Again, another overtime loss there. Golden Bears, you remember last year where they had an undefeated streak break in the playoffs to New Albany, 6-2 and this year. And all the overall records are blank. Are blank. Fantastic. Anyway, third place, Olandtangi Liberty five one one and one. That's a that's a single amount of wins, one loss, one tie, one overtime loss. Saint Charles four wins, one loss, one tie. Dublin Jerome three wins, four losses, one tie, and New Albany seven games in four losses, two ties, one overtime loss. In the white division, it's Moeller flexing their muscles. 17 points for the Crusaders. They're tied for first in points with Olin Tangier Berlin, but that's three last games in for Moeller. Again, Crusaders 8-0-1. Olin Tangier Berlin is 8-3-1. Both Moeller's 1 and Berlin is a tie. Thomas Worthington 6-3-0-1 for 13 points. St. Xavier 4-3-2-1. <laughs> you can. That's that's a pretty straightforward number. Four wins, three losses, two ties, and an overtime loss. Dublin kaufman five and six, and Springboro two wins, four losses, one tie, one overtime loss for six points. In the Blue Division, your seven teams are as follows: Olin Tangi seven and five, Kahana Lincoln six and three, Bishop Watterson six and three, Columbus Academy se- um, excuse me five seven zero oh, and one worthington Kilborn, their first year back in varsity, 4-10. St. Francis of Sales, 2-6. And dublin oh, 0-14. And I look at the goals forced and goals allowed. Nine goals for the Irish to 121 given up. Ouch. Whereas your highest amount of goals scored, looks like Olin Tangi was 67 in the Blue Division. Now I I forget if the standings did they set note all four Sciota forfeits already entered in the standings so okay so there's four forfeits in those losses okay maybe it's too little of a team on Dublin Sciota uh, I I don't know the exact reason why but I like the Irish you know I like all the teams I got to see. While broadcasting hockey. There wasn't a team I was like, well, hope you never come back again. But you get what I'm saying. So yeah, 67 goals in your second place team in terms of scoring that many. Olin Tanji Berlin and Gahan Lincoln with 44. Nope, I beg your pardon. It's more than Kilborn scoring 61. How did I miss that? But yeah, your two top goal scoring teams are in the blue division. And the least were 9 by Sciota. New Albany's got 11. Springboro has 12. So that's your Capital Hockey Conference standings. And now in the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League. Remember, Centerville doesn't have a team this year, and Talawanda is independent, which, that reminds me, we probably need to look at Talawanda. ice hockey. Because they're not going to be in league standings if they're not in a league. Thinking. Beaver Creek leads the Southwest with an 8-0 conference record, and the Beavers have scored 58 goals, only allowed 10. You think that's the best number? No. Nope. Alter at second place at 6-1. Wow. They are a game and a half back of Beaver Creek. They've scored more goals than the Beavers, 1 at 59, and allowed two less at 8. Followed by Mason, 1-3. Three. Sycamore, 3-3. Three three. Troy, O. Oh, in 7 and 4, that's 7 losses, 4 ties, which, wait a minute, an elder listed, 4 losses and a tie. 4 ties? Oh, Mason is 1, 3, and 5. I beg your pardon. Okay, so on the website, the wins are in green, the red is the losses, and the ties are not colored in at all. They're not even bolded, so it's like, okay, that's someone else. Let's look at the Troy Trojans schedule because 11 games in, that's the most in the league, by the way, Troy, 11 games, seven losses. I thought Troy picked up a win. See, there's five conference losses there. That's a, actually, Troy held Beaver Creek pretty close. Start off the year, 4-2 loss, hands of the Beavers at Hobart Arena. Greatest venue there. I love Hobart Arena. Troy's already played both their games against Alter and lost 10-0, 9-1. In fact, the 9-1 game was the Mayor's Cup game. Actually, Troy doesn't have to see Beaver Creek again this year until playoffs, or not in conference play at least. Beavers won the first game 8-2. Again, that was the Mayor's Cup, and Troy fell to Sycamore, 1-0. I believe that... But Troy played Elder? I don't think this schedule is complete. Let's find out together. Actually, let's go... My Hockey Rankings. Because that is normally your closest, uh, your closest accurate rankings in the state of Ohio. Of course, there's also the Ohio Hockey Digest, which I wholeheartedly agree... Read their stuff, listen to their podcast. It is great stuff. All right, high school rankings. Let's go to Ohio because that's where we're in, apparently. Maybe you're not, but that's where I'm in. So let's scroll down a little bit. Troy. Is Troy even on this list? Yeah, so much for saying, oh, yeah, it's the most accurate out there. <laughs> What do I know? There's Troy. I just can't read. 2-10 overall. Let's look at that. We'll talk about the Brave in a little bit. So the wins. Looks like Troy beat Mason and Mason. Let's see. On the 11th, 28th. Wait a minute. The first one was a preseason game, so that shouldn't count. The second one was 11-28, so I think that would be what Frozen Creek. And then the other win, wait, where's the other win? Okay, so the one thing I will tell you that does irritate me a bit is the fact that in ice hockey, preseason games normally go in the records, which, come on, that's the, that doesn't help. When we're talking about regular season, I, I don't know. Let's look at Talawanda while we're here. Talawanda is listed 13-3-2, and 2. and again, like Max, perhaps if someone doesn't update this stuff, and it's not accurate, but this is normally updated by the Talawanda family, so it is nice to see. The Brave are coming off a loss just today to Olentangy Orange. They were part of the Pioneer Classic, which is one of the biggest hockey tournaments in the state. There's also the Strongsville one. I think that's the Arnfeld one. I think Toledo's got one. Normally, there's one at South Metro, but not this year. Normally, Centerville has the Martin Luther King tournament. But yeah, what game did I see that the Brave won? It's like, wow, that's uh, that should send alarm bells to anyone playing them. It's like, was it Saint Edward? Oh, maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. Tangi Orange, that's shutout for the Brave. That that might be what I'm talking about, but I don't know. All I know is Coach Sens is a good guy. I like talking with him, and yeah, Talawanda's got a pretty good team. Let's go over the local schools in the OHSAA rankings, and then we'll talk about the club teams because, you know, it's only fair. And plus... I don't mean to leave them out when we talk ice hockey. It's just the fact that when I cover high school hockey, it's it's kind of a different animal because in club hockey, you don't have to go to a certain school. You can go to a school that doesn't have hockey, and you can join a team there. For example, a lot of the Cincinnati area schools, like let's say New Miami, I think it's closer to play in Oxford with uh, Miami Junior Redhawks. There's the Cincinnati Swords, the Dayton Stealth, um... I thought there was one more in the area. I don't think Springfield has a program. Maybe they do. Uh, There's the Troy Bruins who have a program. And that's mainly for people that don't live in the Troy School District. Or go to Troy, I should say. So I think Troy Christian and everyone around that. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. Let's go over the rankings. Your top five, St. Edward's Gold Team, 16-1-2. St. Francis of Sales of Toledo is 15-3-1. Gilmore Academy, Varsity A Squad, 7-5-2. St. Ignatius, 8-8-3. Talawanda, 13-3-2. That's your top five. And your local schools are as followed. Upper Arlington drops a spot. the Golden Bears listed nine, 10 and one in eighth place, Olin Tangier Liberty, eight, eight and three in ninth place. In case you're wondering why that is why Upper Arlington's like eighth and they have a losing record. Well, it's rankings. It's like computer points. Think about this. The tougher foe you play, the more points you get. you know Also, you know when people remember your name from the season you have last You you get what I'm saying points. There you go. Not hard to think about. In 10th place, Finley 9-6 and 2, Olin Tangi Orange in 11 13 and 3. We have Olin Tangier, Berlin in 13th, 11 3 and 1, St. Charles 7-3-2 in 14th. Moller 13-6 and 4 in 15th. Followed by the next local team. Thomas Worthington, 10-8-1. Dublin Jerome, 3-6-1, 24th place. Saint X in 26, 8, 5, and 3 are the Bombers. Then we have Dublin Kaufman, 5-7-1, 29th place. New Albany in 30th. 0-10-3. Man, 0-10-3. I have to look at that schedule. Springboro listed 33rd. 5-13-1. Hey, 5-1-3. Even though I think Springboro's in 9-3-7. But be quiet! It's Cincinnati area code, I always associate Springboro with the Cincinnati area. Why is that? Because, because shut up. So some of the games that New Albany has played: New York Generals, that's a club team; St. Xavier that end up in a tie; St. Charles, an overtime loss; a tie to Dublin Jerome; Perrysburg's in there. Perrysburg's been much improved last few years. Dayton Stealth. Big, big win at the Cube against New Albany. Finley, a tie. Tanger Liberty, close loss. Dublin, Jerome, a 4-0 loss. Upper Arlington, 4-0. And Tanger Berlin with the 7-1 defeat of New Albany. So, and they're definitely not independent, I can tell you that. So, where did I leave off? Springboro, 33rd, 5-13-1. And 5-1-3. Uh, we have Beaver Creek, 12-2-38th. and Olin Tangy, 40th, eight and eleven. Bishop Warson, six and six, and 43rd. Alter, seven and four, 44th. Gehanna Lincoln, nine and six, and 47th. Followed by Columbus Academy in 51st, five and eight. We have Waritha Kilborn, 54th, seven and ten. We have St. Francis de Sales and Columbus, three and eight. We're not seeing de Sales out of that. They're in 57th. Mason, three and eight, in 60th place. Sycamore 62nd, 310 and one, Troy and 64th, 64. 64! Sorry, two and ten are the Trojans. Is that Notre Dame Catholic Cathedral Latin? Yeah, 66. Dublin Siota 67th, 0 and 10 on here. Elder 69th, and that's your local schools for hockey. Like I said, I do miss it, but it's you know, it is what it is. So that takes care of basketball, that takes care of hockey. I do know that it is weird not having Flying to the Hoop and Kettering, but there are still the tournaments in Westchester at Lakota West and Classic in the Country at Berlin Highland. We'll talk about the results next episode Just because I know this is about an hour and a half already. Actually, an hour eight. So that's not bad. We still have two more things to talk about. So let's talk about that Prospect League. Thinking about warmer weather as it's snowing outside and it's cold and it's snowing outside. It's winter. What do you expect? Anyway, the Prospect League. It's a summer collegiate league where college kids get to bat with wooden bats. In college, you can bat with wooden bats. I learned that for a trivia question at the University of Dayton. I didn't know you could do that, but there you go. So the Prospect League, I have history with this league. I broadcasted two seasons with the Richmond River Rats, and hopefully this year I'll get to broadcast with the Champion City Kings in Springfield. There are two new teams in the mix, and if you follow the Dayton Dragons at all, you will recognize these names right off the bat. And, And I am pleased to introduce the Clinton Lumber Kings and the Burlington Bees for 2021. You might remember those were two teams that were forced out of minor league baseball, affiliated baseball, because of the fact that Rob Manfred wants to destroy the sport. I mean, Rob Manfred wants to streamline minor league baseball. No, I had it right the first time. So Clinton and Burlington were one of a few teams in the Midwest League that were told, sayonara, get out of here. And they were left unaffiliated. In fact, I think the Miami Marlins, who were Clinton's affiliate, went up to Beloit, who getting a new stadium and a new name, which I don't agree with the name. New stadium's nice. And I think I saw in a tweet, if you throw something in the parking lot and it bounces, you're in Illinois. Because Beloit's, like, right on top of the Illinois state border in Wisconsin. The more you know. Burlington also in there, too. These are some of the oldest baseball teams In the United States, we're talking 18s, 1800s, not the year 18 when Clinton and Burlington had baseball and no one else. Man, that must have been a boring time. Anyway, Clinton was one of the founding members of the Midwest League, and Burlington, I think, joined that next year. Clinton's had baseball since 1895. Burlington has had it since 1889. Yeah, that's a while. And when we talk about Dayton Dragons, when we talk about the Western Division, you're starting to get into the older stadiums era. Like, these are teams that, you know, they seat about 1,500 max, something like that. It feels like a small community park. But they still have their charm. I mean, Clinton is right on the water. In fact, they were in a news story a few years back. Not for anything good. No, these are for Mayflies. They were all over the river, and yeah, they kind of stormed the Lumber Kings game. Not as bad, I think, as... uh, What was that game? New York Yankees, Cleveland Indians. Wasn't a playoff game? And was it CC Sabathia had to uh, ask for help several times just because the uh, bug attack was that bad on the mound? Something like that. Someone could correct me on that. So, Clinton, Iowa, has Nelson Corp Field, a ballpark built in 1937. And that's part of the Works Progress Administration Project, which I thought the Burlington Park was also part of that too, but no, it was built in 1947, a couple years after World War II ended, and rebuilt for the 1973 season after a fire in 1971. So, these are communities that know baseball. And yes, uh, the Midwest League standings for Attendance, Burlington's normally towards the absolute bottom, and Clinton was not that much better. Sure, I get that. You're looking at the other side of the spectrum, Dayton, Fort Wayne, and I think, uh, who was the third team? Dayton, Fort Wayne are near the top. Dayton's got the sellout streak close to 1,400 by now. Uh, and Fort Wayne, they normally average about 2,000 less. West Michigan normally draws pretty good crowds. Lansing, Great Lakes. Uh, I'm trying to think who's the third team. I don't think it's Bowling Green, although lately they're drawing better crowds too. But then again, when you, when you feel like you're going to see these hot rods as Tampa Bay Rays, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a chance there. I don't know. But again, Clinton and Burlington are part of the prospect league. What does that mean? No pro baseball players. Collegiate baseball players. Now, what's that mean for the Prospect League and the map? Well, I'll tell you a bit. One, I love these additions. I think that the Prospect League were right to add these teams. And actually, they did update their map, thank goodness, because I was going to have to kind of guess somewhere. Clinton and Burlington are. I know both of them were close to the river. Not as close as Quad Cities because their park literally is on top of the river, and if it floods, you're not playing. And, in fact, uh, 2019, they went how many games without playing a home game? It was like 30 or something. I don't know. But they didn't play a lot of home games in the first half and still locked up the top seed in the West. But, anyway, Clinton and Burlington are right on the Mississippi River, right in Iowa, right by the river, not too far apart. So, in terms of travel, I mean, if Johnstown, Pennsylvania, is going to make that trip, Yeah, but it's not going to be common. It's going to be like once. Like how the east and west of the uh, Midwest League do it. Like you go there once or they come to you once. You don't have that many series. So I'm looking, and in fact it'd be helpful if the site would load the standings. I'm looking at this, and that's a pretty stacked west. You got Clinton Burlington on the river. Hannibal doesn't look like it's that far. Oh, actually, sorry. I think it's O'Fallon. It's O'Fallon. Excuse me. O'Fallon's not that far. You might remember them when they had the River City Rascals in the Frontier League. You have the Cape Cadfish. That's the southmost team, I think. Maybe only second to Beckley, West Virginia's West Virginia Miners. But yeah, that West, that's a pretty decent uh, pack of teams. And that's not... Terrible in terms of travel. I mean, Clinton to Cape, that's, you know, a pretty long trip, but it's, you know what I'm saying. It's a pretty good pack. Now, with that being said, with Clinton and Burlington's additions, where i that leave the East Division? You know, Champion City and Chillicothe, and West Virginia and Johnstown, Pennsylvania. They're known as the Mill Rats, by the way. Lafayette, Indiana. Uh... I think that's DuPage, Illinois. And Terre Hose, Rex, Wabash Valley Zone. I thought it was my own, but whatever. You have Springfield, Illinois. Yes, it's a little weird that there's two Springfield teams, one in Illinois, one in Ohio. That's why Champion City can't call themselves Springfield, because, oh yeah, there's another Springfield team. Well, you could, but it'd be very tough for broadcasters, announcers, and everyone alike. You got Danville, Illinois. You got Normal, Illinois, also a former Frontier League stand with chill coffee. (laughs) It's weird to think about that, but yeah. Uh, Richmond was a former Frontier League team place, too, but... They followed up shop a couple years back and now have the Richmond Jazz in the Great Lakes, which we'll talk about if we have a season, which hopefully we do. So, what's going to happen with the West and East? I will tell you. Also, by the way, there's another new team in Alton, Illinois. They're not known as the Alton Browns, you know, from the host from Good Eats. That's a missed opportunity. But... They're known as the Alton River Dragons because they are close to the Mississippi as well. So where does that leave the Prospect League teams? Well, I will tell you, in the East Division, it's Champion City, Chillicothe, Danville, Lafayette, uh, the Rats of Terre Haute, and West Virginia with Johnstown. That's a pretty nice pack. In the West, before Clinton and Burlington's additions, We have Cape, DuPage, Pistol Shrimp, which is by Chicago, I believe. O'Fallon, Missouri, Normal, Quincy, and Springfield, and Alton. So that's going to give the West two more teams. Now, I don't know if expansion is likely again. But you know one place I like to see a former minor league team set up shop in the prospect league? Lexington, Kentucky. They got a nice field. They were affiliates of the Royals for the longest time. And you can't tell me that a college town like Lexington with the UK Wildcats, you can't tell me that that's not going to be a nice fit. I mean, I don't know if Lexington will want that. I would like Lexington to want that. But that's one place I like to see possibly open up a shop, along with Clinton and Burlington in the Prospect League. Or maybe another summer collegiate league, but Prospect would be great. So with Clinton and Burlington, one team, actually two teams might have to be pushed to the east unless there's more expansion. Again, Lexington, Kentucky would be great. Outside that, uh, I don't know where else you can set up shop. It'd be cool if Florence, they still have the y'alls. Y'all. In the Frontier League. But it'd be cool if Florence had like a summer collegiate team of their own. You know, you have the independent team and you got the summer collegiate team. How would that work sharing the park? I don't know. But hey, I still think that'd be cool. Especially since the fact that it's close to Springfield. It's close to Chillicothe. I say close, but it's closer than some of the other teams. So right now we're looking at two less teams in the East Division. Unless there's shuffling going about. Again, most of the west is in Illinois, Missouri, now Iowa. In the east, it's kind of spread out, going back to that map uh, on prospectleague.com. By the way, no schedule yet. Why? Give me a schedule. Someone give me schedules for spring and summer. Please, please give me schedules. So what I'm looking at in the east, it's Danville, Illinois. That's the limit. And that's right across the Illinois border. I've been there once for Dayton Demons and Danville Dashers. And then you got Lafayette, Terre Haute, and uh, Chairman City, Chillicothe, West Virginia, and Johnstown. Whereas the West has Springfield, Illinois, Normal, DuPage. I-, I think the first one off the bat, I send DuPage to the East because of the fact that it looks like they're that closer into the state, like. Danville is. It looks like it's just a few minutes across the border, and there's DuPage. Not exactly sure where that is in terms of, you know, being in Illinois and, you know, having, you know, being that close to Chicago, but there you go. I'd say that's one of them. The other one, I don't know. I I, I have a gut feeling there's going to be an expansion of some sort. And I don't know where. Because really, the... Two teams in the Midwest League that got axed, Clinton, Burlington, they already got programs, and they're going to be in the West. If they're in the East, then, you know, that, that's not happening. That's not happening at all. But Lexington, Kentucky, I mentioned. Florence, Kentucky be cool, but I don't see that happening. I don't see Cincinnati having one because, well, yeah, they have one in the Great Lakes, but I don't know if Prospect League would float trying to battle with the Great Lakes like that. I don't know if any of the Great Lakes teams have thought about moving to the Prospect League because I think they like how that setup is. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know if Prospect League has thought about absorbing the Great Lakes. And I mean, that's going to be a lot of teams, especially in Ohio. But, you know, I mean, Great Lakes plays a shorter season than the Prospect League. Not by much, but they do. So, that's the next press release I'm looking forward to. What's happening to the divisions with Clinton and Burlington, which are two well-deserving teams to be brought into the fold. And hopefully, baseball continues to thrive in Clinton, Iowa, and Burlington, Iowa, and Dayton, Ohio, and Cincinnati, Ohio, and Columbus, Ohio, and Hamilton, Ohio, and Florence, Kentucky, and all the areas around us that have baseball. So... The additions of the Lumber Kings and Bees are the third and fourth of the offseason, Alton and Johnstown. So that's three to the west, one to the east. Divisional realignment in the 2021 game schedule will be announced in the near future. And there's 16 teams now. So it's really just depending who's going to the east. I think DuPage is a good candidate for that. But I, I've been straining my mind on this. I don't know who the second one would be. If you add another team then you got 17 then you're going to have off balance like that. So you have to add 2. So we'll see. But Prospect League should be a good year. Hopefully we have it this year. With how many sports we've had in Ohio, I I can't imagine not I can't imagine not having a season this year, but we'll see. We'll see. Also, I did see the Lafayette Aviators mascot followed me on Twitter. Thank you for that. And he took a picture of the new – well, they took a picture of the new ballpark that Lafayette will be playing in. Wow, it's dynamite. They even have water slides in the background. Not part of the park, but it's just in the background. And, yeah, I asked him, hey, after every Lafayette home run, will you slide down those? No, those are water slides. I mean, come on, they gotta make waterproof mascot suits by now. It's twenty twenty one after all. So but when I saw that news, I was very happy because of the fact that, hey, those two cities, those two towns, they might not draw in the numbers that the Dayton Dragons do, but at the same time, you know, why I know that should matter in terms of the bottom line. But, yeah. So, Prospect League it is for Clinton and Burlington. And last up today on this long episode after I missed 10 days. Sorry about that, folks. But uh, uh, just Friday, I got up to get the gear and start recording. I just didn't feel like it. I was just like, nah, not today. So, there we go. Last thing on episode 199 from Jeff Hobson, the senior writer on Bangles.com. New Bengals defensive line coach always knew football would be his life and not a hobby. There's a new defensive line coach for Cincinnati? Why, yes, sir. And ma'am, Marion Hobby. He is now the Bengals defensive line coach after impressive stints the past four seasons in Florida with Jacksonville and the Jaguars and the Miami Dolphins. When he reached out to his old Clemson nose tackle DJ Reader, currently the heart of the Bengals D-line, and that is his conversations with Mike Brown, the president, head coach Zach Taylor, and Lou Enorano, the D.C. defensive coordinator, he liked what he heard, liked what he saw, and it's going to be Coach Hobby running the D-line in Cincinnati. I love this hire. I mentioned... uh, I think I mentioned about the offensive line, Frank Pollock, coming back. I hope his first name's Frank, and I just didn't give it. Coach Pollock returning. I, I think, you know, the offensive line and the running game, I think that'll be much improved. Not, I'm not saying top of the table or you're fired. But uh, let's be real. The Bengals have been in the bottom half of the NFL in terms of the O-line and the running game for a little while now. And Pollock was kind of the engineer. Behind the blueprint of Nixon's best season in Cincinnati thus far. So, yeah, I love seeing Pollock come in. I, I, I gotta be honest, I was starting to get hopeful for Hank Fraley, just because, you know, what he did with Detroit. But, hey, Pollock's a good hire, too. Now, back to Marion Hobby, your new defensive line coach for Cincinnati. He mentions that Mr. Brown is straightforward. It's really clear what he's looking for in his coaches and what he expects, and that's what any coach would want right there. I got a chance to spend some time with Zach Taylor and Lou, and it was really positive. I got a good feeling. I got a good feel for those guys and what they're trying to get with the defense. It was really good, and Mr. Brown was outstanding. Hobby's 54 years of age. Didn't need any introduction to reader whose brilliant first season with the Bengals was scored short, thanks to a torn quad in the fifth game. And yes, I, I hate using injuries kind of hampered the season, but that was part of it. But before Hobby has been his line coach at Clemson for DJ Reader, he first got to see him when he was a sophomore at Grimsley High School in Greensboro, North Carolina. And Hobby was over at Duke. And he mentions that Reader was a great kid, little sophomore, probably six foot tall at the time. Played baseball, too. You didn't see it then, but when I recruited him at Clemson, it was, well, look at here. So, definitely, coach, hobby, I I, I love, you know, I love where he's coming from. I love his experience. Because, remember, Miami, solid team. Yes, they didn't make the playoffs, but it wasn't by much. They were 10-6. You got to remember, Miami was much improved, so... I think the defense was good. I think the offense was good for Miami. So I love, I love this pick. And it was Frank Pollock. Hooray, I remembered something. So, DJ Reader said this about the hiring. Super happy, super happy on his way to rehab in Houston, Texas. Really, really good guy, good coach. He coached me all four years at Clemson. Kind of crazy. I've known him since I was a young kid. Coach is hard, guys come to work, his family is a priority, a real solid dude. He's a tough coach. He's funny, you have to come to work and go hard, but he's also got some fun to him. He's a very cool dude, he's interesting, I'm a big fan of Hobby. If that doesn't sound like a glowing recommendation, I don't know what is. Hobby was also a former Bengals fan. Longtime linebackers Vincent Ray played at Duke when Hobby was the defensive coordinator and assistant head coach when Ray signed with the Bengals as an undrafted free agent. I like Vinny Ray. I thought he did all right his few years in Cincy. So Vinny Ray said he was the D-line coach for two years when I was there. They know they they will run to the ball. I know that. He's got a high standard. He's a very good coach. He's tough. He's very fair. He treats everyone the same. It makes sense. He's been successful in this league. It's good for our team. Ray was on the field in 2017 in Jacksonville when Hobby's vaunted front stoned the Bengals on the 29 yards rushing and just 148 total yards. Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) Pretty good when your running game only gets 29. Oh, wait, when you stop the running game for 29 yards. Maybe not when you get 29 yards rushing. That was the uh, Jaguars were number two in defense, rang 55 sacks up for third most over the last seven seasons, on the way to the heartbreaking AFC Championship game against the New England Patriots. So yeah, this seems like this dude is great. And I can't wait for Coach Hobby to get to work. I can't wait to see Coach Pollock do his changes. I can't wait to see Coach Hobby do his changes on the defensive side of the ball. I I mean, I could keep reading this article. I mean... uh, you, you all can read. I know that. But pretty much what he's coming into from Miami to Cincinnati. Dolphins played a similar hybrid 3-4 defense, which evolved under Annamaromo. Last season, Hobby moving into his seventh season as an NFL coach. showing an ability to develop young players when second-round nose tackle Raquan Davis emerged as one of the defense's top players. An unknown 2018 seventh-round Ravens draft pick, Zach Seiler, after coming in the season with 139 career slaps, racked up three and a half sacks and 11 quarterback hits and more than 500 plays on the edge. So, yeah, another great hire. That's two great hires made by Cincinnati, and that's what they needed. Needed to get on the board in these two coaches, and I think they done well with Pollock and Hobby. I'm going to read the official press release from Bengals.com. You can read it yourself. Bengals hire Marion Hobby as defensive line coach. 26 total years of coaching experience. Yeah, I think he's been around the game. And six years in the NFL, this being his uh, seventh coming up. Last two seasons were the D-line coach for Miami. And last year helped Miami's defense rank sixth in the NFL and points allowed at 21.1 points per game tied for 10th in sacks with 41 and first and third down efficiency at 31.2% only 58 conversions allowed on 186 attempts. Yeah, that's pretty good. Also hobby was part of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and especially the powerful Saxonville defense Seriously, if you want to hear about how Jacksonville just crumbled, it looked like Jacksonville's going to stick put in the AFC as a legitimate threat for time on. But then after that season, just everything kind of pooped out like that. The previous NFL experience came as defensive ends coach with the New Orleans Saints from 2006 to 2007. And collegiately, Coach Hobby's been at Clemson at Duke, at Mississippi, at Ole Miss, Tennessee, Louisiana Lafayette, now just called Louisiana, and Tennessee Martin. As a player, Hobby was an all-SEC defensive end at Tennessee before being picked by the Minnesota Vikings in the third round of the 1990 draft. He would play three seasons in the NFL with Minnesota and New England. And Hobby is replacing Nick Eason, who served as the D-line coach for the Bengals the last two years. Again, sounds great. I want to see these coaches do their changes. And most importantly, I want to see the Bengals win next year. There is no sense that we should have another under 500 record. And there's no sense that we should see Burrow get hit again like that. I mean, there's still the possibility that he's not ready for week one. But at the same time, you know, these changes do bring some promise. I know Cleveland's going to be tough next year. Well, it just really depends what happens in the offseason, but I don't see Stefanski leaving. Man, there's a lot of people who said Stefanski wouldn't do well. Look at Cleveland. They're in the, was it, the AFC semis? They're not winning currently, which um, uh, does make me sad for most Browns fans. But actually, I say that, and now they are down by, what is that, 5? With 11.07 to go? Although Patrick Mahomes left for a concussion check. Oh. Got to feel for the Chiefs there. Cleveland might be playing the Bills for the AFC title. Where did that come from? Anyway. Also, if you had Cleveland getting further in the playoffs than Baltimore and Pittsburgh, congratulations. Now get to work on next week's lotto drawing. So, there's no reason the Bengals have to sit out. You know, I'm tired of all this joke of the Bengals are crap. I'm tired of hearing on 1410 that the Bengals can't do anything right. They're a big heaping sack of crap. Blah, 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 blah. That's why I don't listen to that show much. Because that's all I hear. And Patrick Holmes just told won't return. So that stings for the Chiefs. Anyway. Sorry. By the time I upload this, which will be probably Monday, and it'll be day-old news. So, hooray. But two great hirings thus far. I think there's, how many's left, three? No, two, because uh, Pollock took over the running game responsibilities. Jamar Singleton uh, took the running back's coach's job at UK. So, there is that. So, that will wrap up episode 199. Pretty nicely, and under two hours, too. Thank goodness for that. So, next episode will be episode 200. 200 episodes of local sports. Too bad local radio stations can't say that. Right wing? Right 980? So, originally, it was supposed to be a Malin's Mailbag episode, but I'm scrapping that, because I've got one question in. One you know, that, that's the big thing. I know local sports. and I can talk about it. I can upload it. And I, you know, I, all the equipment upgrades in the world. I'm, I, Is it because I'm making fun of, you know, the other stations not bringing local sports and they dare claim to be Dayton Sports Station when I think that is incorrect and should be uh, frowned upon heavily? Is it just that I'm an annoying hack that... People think can't hold a good podcast down. Is is it that I'm not sharing it enough? Is you know, I I fear that someone's going to tell me like, "Oh, you suck," oh, something like that. And then I fear that someone's going to tell me, you know, just quit podcasting. And then it's going to make me disheartened again. I've already been disheartened with this podcast once. I don't want to happen again, but you know what I'm saying. So episode 200 is going to be a state of the podcast episode where I talk about this podcast, I talk about me, and I talk about what I want to accomplish in the next few episodes. By next few, I mean, you know, next episodes. So I think that wraps up episode 199 nicely, except one more thing. I know, one more thing, I promise. Now, normally, when I name these episodes, it's something very punny, because I'm a jerk like that. Now, I'm considering going with just straightforward naming, like, you know, something that I cover the most time on, which this would be basketball standings. And I'm thinking about that. I... What do you think? You know, you can you can talk to me on Twitter at the Lee W. Malin or Sunday Pod, and if you have suggestions, you know why you know my listenership has kind of went down the tubes. You know, even if it's you know mean-hearted, I'll read it. I don't know if I'll agree with it, but you get what I'm saying. You can be a part of this podcast. You know. Now, it's not just me talking local sports and saying that this is a better product than what's offered on the Dayton radio stations, which that's quite correct. But if I don't have listenership, then I don't have anything. I'm just might as well be talking to myself into the void and I'm listening to myself like, yeah, I'm great, you know, and everyone else is not. So you no know, any suggestions, throw them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, you know where to find it. It's at the Lee W. Mallon or Sunday pod. So that will do it. If you like to hear me on radio this week, I'll be on WPTW for Wednesday, I know. It's kind of sad. I have to pull out my handy-dandy calendar to know what I'm broadcasting. Then again, if I didn't have my handy-dandy calendar, then I wouldn't have any appointments. If it wasn't for disappointments, I wouldn't have any appointments in the beginning, now would I? So I have a broadcast with WPTW this Wednesday. Troy hosting Vandalia Butler. It should be 7 o'clock and 6.45 pregame that day. I should have some games Thursday and Saturday. And I should be working two UD women's basketball games Friday and Sunday. And then next week is the big week I have been looking forward to since my boss at ESP, Rob Ebel, told me I was doing. Some winter games for Princeton. Which is big because normally it's just molar basketball. So next week, the week of the 25th, I got two games with PTW Monday, Friday. And then Tuesday I have my first ever swimming broadcast at Princeton. Loveland Tigers come in. And then I'll have my first wrestling meet against Oak Hills at Princeton. and That Wednesday. And then Thursday I will have my first Broadcast of bowling. I've announced as a PA announcer, wrestling and swimming, so I know, you know, some things. Bullying is the one that, you know, puts the fear in my spine. Not because, you know, oh, I'm going to screw everything up, you know. It's just I'm walking into the unknown. And me, I, I want to know what's happening before, you know, things happen. I I, I guess that was a terrible thing to say, wasn't it? I'm looking forward to broadcasting these, and I'm excited. I just hope, you know, I do the Hamilton and Princeton fans proud of the bowling teams because I'm going to be the voice of that. I don't know. I know around here swimming doesn't have any uh, any uh, uh, people allowed in. Uh, by people, I mean uh, fans. Uh, there was another word. Spectators. Yes, thank you. I remembered it, and now I sound like an idiot. Uh, Swimming, I don't think there's any. Wrestling, I'm not entirely sure. Basketball's had a few fans in there, so I have to assume wrestling would too. Uh, Bowling, I'm not sure. Bowling's going to be at Gilmore Lane. It's the bowling alley south of uh, Jungle Gyms. Which means afterwards, I'm going to shop at Jungle Gyms. Yay! Because, you know, they have a fire truck full of hot sauces. (laughs) How can you hate that? But I, I'm, I'm really excited. And also, I'll have another one with ESP that Saturday, the 30th. It'll be a girls' basketball game as Lakota East will host Princeton. And if you remember a while back now, I said Princeton was co-leading the GMC with Mason, right? Even I forget what I said, but I'm pretty sure it's Mason. So, yeah, that's a way to close out January. It'll be a very successful week, and I'm looking forward to it. And I hope you follow along. Uh, The best way to catch what I'm broadcasting is on Twitter at the TheLeeWMallon, and I hope you will join me for some broadcast. That's episode 199 here on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Next episode is the 200th episode, and we'll talk more then. Enjoy local Cincinnati and Dayton sports, not on Dayton Radio, no on Wing, and no on 980. It's on the Sunday Sports Podcast. Talk to you again for the big 200th episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure and bookmark Sindaypod.com, the official website of the local Sunday sports podcast. From there, you can find your favorite way of listening to future episodes on platforms such as Apple podcast, Google podcast, TuneIn, in Pandora, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app and more.